Can we give it up for all of the relators in the room and online? Some, sometimes I think it's just going to be too early. Everyone's still asleep. Maybe we'll get uh, one clap, but you guys are always ready, full of energy, and fu- fully ready to engage with the word, engage with uh, the message. And I have a good one today, I believe, a good series to kick off. And um, we're going to do that in just a minute, but I want to point out a couple things. If you weren't here last week, last week we talked about prayer and fasting. Next week, on January 9th through the 29th, we're going to have our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So if you're considering, I, I, it really shouldn't be if, it should be whatever you're considering fasting, whatever, however you're considering praying, I want to challenge you. If, if you're thinking, well, I think I can do this much, just push it up a little bit more. Add a little bit to it. Just decide, I'm going to put five more minutes a day on prayer. I'm going to put 10 more minutes a day on prayer. I'm going to give up one more meal or two more meals or another week, right? Let's push in because the further we can push in in prayer and push away from the world with fasting, then the better our year spiritually will be. And we can have the best year ever, depending on how how good of a spiritual year we have. So let's make that our goal to have the best spiritual year ever. And then all of those other things, the financials, the, our emotional state, our, uh, our home life, our family life, all of those other elements and facets of life, if we'll get the spiritual part right, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? All these things will be added to you. So that's what we believe. So I, I wanted to show you this book real quick. It's called Fasting by Jensen Franklin. If you're considering like how to fast, because I know we, we, we spend, uh, we go so fast through like what Daniel fasting and, and what uh, different times of day and different uh, elements that you could fast and why and how. This gives you a good breakdown on how that works uh, physically and spiritually. So uh, I would encourage you to read this if you want to or- go ahead and order it. You can get it pretty quickly. The next thing I want to point out is, how many of you guys got your clicky binder? Clicky binder. We, we call them that because they click. <laughs> we, want, we want you to take notes, and those of you who are asking uh, why or how that works, you, obviously you don't have to pay for them. We've had them since before COVID, but we're bringing them back, and we want you to take notes because Uh, There are a lot of good reasons why taking notes really, really matters. Because the message I brought today, I think it's good. But what happens when we start listening, it's not just what you're writing. It's not just the notes that you're taking. It's the fact that you hear differently. You listen differently. You're learning differently when your brain is engaged in a different type of listening. So uh, we go from being an inactive listener, an inactive participant in the message, to now all of a sudden you're writing, you're, you're an active part of the message. And so it takes you to a different perspective. So lots of good reasons why you should be a note taker. One re- research all the way back to the 1970s shows that people who take notes during uh, a message or during a lesson, they are seven times more likely to remember the details and remember elements that are important. So I believe that's enough. That on its own is enough to take notes and to engage in in that different 
different aspects. So we have printed notes for you. We want to make sure you get those. So today we're jumping right into six decisions. Why six decisions? Because it, it, it maybe could be more or lef, less, but we've chosen six decisions that I believe are the most important decisions that you ever have to make. And you can think about, well, what kind of decisions do I need to make? What, you, who will I marry? Where will I live? Like all those things are important, but I promise you, if you can get the spiritual questions right, if you can get your relationship right with God, all of those other things will come into alignment. So first thing you can write down is this. It is your decisions, not your desires, that determine your destiny. It's not what you woke up on New Year's Day thinking, I want this to happen. I desire this for my life. I want to get in shape. I want this. I want this. It's Desires are important. But those are not the things that actually determine your destiny. It's your actual decisions. What am I going to decide? So my hope, my hope for you over the next six weeks is that you buckle down and make, decide, what am I going to do in this area? What's my decision? Because you have options, and uh, we're all in the middle of decisions, actually. Actually, we make decisions every day, big decisions, little decisions, micro decisions, macro decisions. Some of them we make on instinct. Some of them we just like make on preference. No, 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 no. I like red over blue. Or I like this car over this one. Or I, sometimes we do a little bit of research, but the, the ultimate truth is some of the biggest decisions that we make are very hard to decide because both options look good. Some of the big, biggest decisions, most important decisions that you'll make this year to decide whether or not 2022 is better than 21 or 2020 or the rest of your life. Some of the decisions of what will I leave in 2021? What will I take with me into 2020? Some of those are really hard for us to establish. And some of us, sometimes we want to make a decision. We just don't, we don't either feel like we can or we feel like I'm doing what I can. I'm between a rock and a hard place. There's no options. And the, the, the best thing I have to tell you today is that the, the biggest, most important decisions in your life you're not left to a no decision. You're not given just a rock and a hard place. The most important decisions in your life, you actually do have a lot of say in. You actually have a lot of uh, influence on your decisions, but you have to make a decision or ultimately someone else makes the decision for you. So where are you today? Where are you going from here? We have some realistic, practical questions. And so today I want to jump into the first one, but before we do, I want us to turn in, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to look at a passage where Jesus uh, is, we learn something incredible. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, there's a decision that someone makes, and I feel like this decision should be broadcast for all of us. This is the first decision that many of us have to make. And so this will be our decision today. Before I tell you what it is, we're going to read the passage so we look at a wedding. It says on the third day of seven, of the, on the third of seven days, because in those days the wedding was, seven, was a seven-day wedding ceremony. There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So Mary was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So this tells us a couple things which we don't have a lot of time to go into, but a lot of the disciples were there. So maybe this was somebody who was a was a disciple or was a, a family member of the disciples. So they all knew, they all knew each other. This is like a family wedding and they're all, uh, they knew who Jesus was. He was invited and the disciples. So we don't know who it is though, but I can tell you this, that the culture, 
in those days was a little different than our culture. Angela and I's wedding was, I felt like long. I think the actual ceremony was maybe two and a half hours, which is very, very long compared to most of the weddings that I do now are 30, 45 minutes. We got, we're doing this, then we do this, then we do this. But my wedding was very long, multiple speakers, lots of stuff, a lot of stuff happening. But in those days, seven day wedding. So this is just going on and on and on. And the whole community is involved. And they're three days into the wedding. And then it says that when the, when the, they ran out of wine, so they should have had wine all the way through. We'll find that out just a little bit. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And I, I'm reading into this passage right here, and you can read into it with me, but I can tell you that uh, especially my wife, she has a little code that she speaks in. And when she says certain things, I know what she means. And she, made, she don't have to say the whole thing. Maybe she'll say, she'll be carrying something and she'll say, oh man, this is so heavy. But what does that mean? <laughs> Please come take this. And so I'm decoding all the time. What, what are you trying to say to me right now? Sometimes she'll just walk by and say, wow, the trash is full. <laughs> well, we know what that means. Or, ooh, it's hot in here. <laughs> she, well, I don't know why we just don't say what we want, right, ladies? Or she might say, Man, my car is just so dirty. <laughs> what does that mean? That, that means wash my car, please. Right? But we have to decode that. And I, I think that's what's happening with Jesus and Mary here because his mom says they have no wine. And so her expectation is that she either knows he can make wine or get wine or she, he can fix this somehow. But she leaves it to him to how to, she doesn't tell him exactly what to do. She leaves the details to him, and I want you to watch what Jesus says back to her in response. Jesus said to her, woman, now, we'll just stop right there for a second. And it, when, when I'm decoding what Angela says, my response is never, woman. That maybe I have to decode my own words before we get there so that she hears me say, I can do that. Woman, what, what does your concern have to do with me? So he could tell she was concerned. She was worried. He said, my hour has not yet come. He didn't want to step out yet, but she said, they have no wine. And his mother said to the servants, watch this. This is, this is the decision that all of us, this is where I want you to just grab a hold of this, of this phrase. Grab a hold of the decision that she makes and makes for a lot of other people and offers to the servants. She said to the servant, Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. In other words, do whatever Jesus says. Because she didn't tell him what to do. She just said they have no wine. Now there were set, there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification for the Jews, according, uh, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. That makes almost like 150, 180 gallons of these water pots. He says to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Now, a lot, I think a lot is happening. We don't know if, if they get it all done that day. We don't know if they get it all done within five minutes or five hours. 
But we do know that it takes them a little bit of time because it fills, they fill those 150 uh, gallon water, 150 to 180 gallons worth of water pots to the brim with water. And he said to them, draw out some, uh, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. In other words, we're out of wine, take this water and go present it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Let's stop here for a second. So they had a decision to make. And that decision was, am I going to do whatever Jesus said? And there are a lot of things in there that you would think, uh, I, uh, this doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't know about this. I, I'm not sure whether or not I can continue to do this because I know we're looking for wine. I'm not sure how this fills that need. I'm not sure how this meets that need. But when we make the decision, whether it's this decision or other decisions, your decisions right here in 2022, your decisions that you make today, they, you're not the only person impacted by your decisions. There are people all around you. Maybe it's your kids, your family, your wife, your husband, your parents, your coworkers, your employees, there are your neighbors. There are people around you that are affected by the decisions that you make sometimes for generations. And you can look back today at the rest of your life uh, leading up to this moment and say, I'm here because of decisions other people made and because of decisions that I know that I wouldn't be standing here today if it was simply just my decisions made. Other people made decisions that helped to influence me, helped to lead me, helped to guide me, helped to get me closer to God, helped to lead me to God. All of us wouldn't be here today if our parents hadn't decided to get together. There are a lot of things that going in that go into establishing life, establishing direction in life. And so when the when Mary said, hey, this is, this is what you should do, they, they had a decision to make. Every one of the servants had a decision to make. And he said to them, every man, this is the, the master of the, the feast, the guy in charge of the wine, the guy in charge of making sure everything was right. Every, every man at the beginning set out the good wine at the beginning of a wedding. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior... So he put the best wine out first and then bring out the, after people have drunk, they won't notice that the, the other wine is not good. He said, you have kept the good wine until now. And then watch this. The, the, the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. There are some decisions that you're going to make this week and in the next couple of weeks, the beginning of this year, that are going to set the pace and become the beginning of a season of your life. You can decide whether it's just going to be, oh, well, I guess I'll, I'll try to uh, start a diet again. I'll, I'll start up my first of the year diet again. I'll, I'll kick it off with fasting and prayer. We, you, can, you can count up in your mind how you're going to build habits or break habits. But this decision, week number one of this series, the decision I believe that every one of us has to make at some point in our life is, I'm going to do whatever God says to do. Whatever Jesus said to do, that's what I'm going to do. Because we have a choice. We don't have, we, ha we make the decision. We can 
choose to go with it or we can choose to, mm, I think I, I'll do most of it, but then I'm, I'm going to deviate just a little bit when it comes to this because I kind of know a little bit better for myself. But doing whatever Jesus said, that really ultimately means giving up my way, giving up my culture, giving up my opinion, giving like, okay, God, this doesn't make sense. Like, I know we're supposed to be coming up with wine, but you said do this with the water. I've never seen water turn into wine. I have no context for that. So I'm just going to do what you say. I don't understand what it means. Maybe it means that I've got to go somewhere this year or go somewhere this month, or I have to not go somewhere that I would have gone. Maybe it means uh, building new relationships and maybe throwing the brakes on some of my old relationships. Maybe it means starting to give in areas that I have never given. Maybe it means to say some things or stop, start talking to certain people or stop certain things that I need to stop doing. But my life needs to change gears. God calls us to a better life. He calls us to, and I don't just mean better, like more money, more answered prayers, more, like I don't just mean like all the things that you have listed out for your dream life. I mean, God has a, a, a better you that we work toward, that he's doing a work in us. And if we'll just do whatever he says, we become that person. And it doesn't have to make sense. You can write this down. It doesn't have to make it sense. It doesn't have to make sense for it to be God. <laughs> There's some things that, God are, that God's going to ask you to do, and you're going to think, that makes no sense. This is insane. Like, I need this thing, and I feel like God wants me to do this thing, and they seem totally unrelated, water and wine. Well, they're both liquid, but other than that, But what, when, we look at, when we look at men and women of faith, throughout history, there have been men that, have, that did crazy things. For God told Noah to build a boat when there, it had never rained before. He told Joshua to march around this. No, well, God, we're supposed to attack this city. He said, no, don't attack them. Just march around the city. He told a leper to go take seven baths. Well, if I'm the leper, I'm thinking, wait, that... I don't need to take a bath. I've taken a bath before. He told Daniel, don't eat any delicious food. But God, my people are in captivity. We've been taken captive. We lost our land, and you just want me to not eat delicious food. How is that? How do I put those two things together? He told Hosea the prophet, name your children not loved and not my people. <laughs> How does, that, how does that save God's people? God said, I want you to make a message to the people. He told Peter, when Peter said, we need to pay taxes, he told Peter, okay, well, go, uh, go get a fish, go catch a fish, and when you catch it, open its mouth, and there will be some gold in there. Uh, hold on. <laughs> I can't imagine how that conversation went, but I know... Part of that conversation I've been a part of many times. I need some money. My kids, I, I need some money, Dad. Hey, okay, well, go, go in my wallet. Go in my desk. Go wherever. Not go in my fish. And so when, when Jesus, like those things make, that doesn't make any sense. But obedience always precedes the miraculous. 
Like God needs you to be obedient. Obedient, And sometimes the thing that he, to, to see obedience because the miracle requires faith and faith requires you to do something. It doesn't always have to be something related to the thing. He just needs you to be obedient. And so when he tells the servants, when they tell the servants to do, when he says, do this, 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 and this, just fill the pots, they start filling them. You need God to move, but God needs you to just do what he says. You want God to answer your prayers. And so when God, when you, even if you feel like, well, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but it's unrelated. So I'm going to come back to that after this is done. The question is, how do I know what God wants me to do? That's what 21 days of prayer and fasting is about. We're getting closer to God and pushing the world away so we can hear God's voice. So we, that starts with one. I'm going to give you three things pretty quickly in the time that I have left. Three practical things that you can do to know what does God want me to do? If I said, I'll do whatever God wants me to do, I'll do whatever Jesus asked me to do, but I don't know what he wants me to do. That's where we're going to start. Step number one, get close to God. Get close to God. You have, you have to be close in proximity to know what God wants from you. You know what the, the best thing about COVID is? And that's, that's a hard statement to say because nothing good about COVID. But the best thing about the last two years is that we have a lot more personal space. I, I can walk around the store and there's nobody up close to me. No, we've kind of gotten rid of close talking people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Holy. You can't talk that close to me. But you know what? Every time, every now and then I'll be at the grocery store or at Walmart and someone just forgets that we have a six foot rule and they're just getting up real close to me. I'm like, whoa, brother. Hold this. There, we have some rules now. <laughs> Can I tell you this, that God wants to get uncomfortably close to you. God needs to, so that you can hear what he's saying, so that you can know what he wants. You ever finally caught up with an old friend or a family member, and you finally start talking to them, and it's been so long, and then the, at some point, inevitably in the conversation, something goes like this. You know what? I can't believe we haven't talked about this. I haven't told you about this thing that's happening. I feel like that's what God wants from us. He wants, he, there's stuff he wants to tell us. There's stuff that we want to know. There's stuff that we need to know, and yet we're never around to hear it. You got to get close to God to know what's going on with him and not just make it about you. Last week, we talked a lot about how uh, there, are, there are two parts to a conversation, and prayer is two, two uh, it, it's a listening and a talking James 4, 6 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. I'm going to invite a couple of helpers up on stage with me. What happens whenever you decide to come near to God? Here we go. Today, Cayman's going to be God. And Grace... All right, so we decide at some point in life, I'm, gonna, I'm going to take a step toward God. I, the scripture says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. But we think that God's so far away. God, doesn't, God feels distant. He feels unrelated to what's happening. And yet, if we'll just take a step toward, maybe that step is, you know what? I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to go to church every week this month. We just make a decision. I'm going to take an intentional step toward God. Maybe it's that I'm going to start reading my Bible every day. Maybe it's I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for five minutes a day. I'm going to pray for 10, 15 minutes a day. 
And I'm going I'm to sing a worship song. I'm just going to spend time with God. We, t- we make that intentional step and watch what happens. Take a step. We take a little step. Sometimes it's hard and watch what God does. He takes this big step towards us. And then we take another step and decide, I'm going to join the growth track. And uh, I'm going to join the dream team. And then what does God do? Boom, he takes another. See how that space that we thought, that might be 50 steps. That might be 10 steps. But all of a sudden, God starts closing the distance. And before we know it, we're so close together. We're so, oh. <laughs> before we know it, we're very close together. And now we, can, now we can hear what God wants. We can become near to God. And God, listen, when you look at the story of the, Jesus told a parable about the lost son, the prodigal son. And what happened whenever there was a distance between them, when the father saw the son coming, you know what it says that the father did? He ran. <laughs> he saw the son coming. So God's closing the distance between you and him. If you'll just make an intentional effort, he comes running. You, thank you, guys. But you have to intentionally, I'm going to get close to God this year. So when I say that we're going to have the best spiritual year ever, that's what it means. Let's get close to God. Let's get near to God so we can hear what he has to say. And so write this down. When I intentionally get close to God, he drastically gets close to me. When I intentionally get close to God, he drastically gets close to me. Number two, you got to not just get near him, but while you're getting near him, you have to expect to hear direction from God. Over and over and over, God is described as our shepherd. He's not going to push us. He's not going to force us. He's going to lead us like a shepherd. Shepherd just walks and the sheep follow. The shepherd makes a little noise and the sheep kind of know what direction to go. 21 days of prayer is about, for me, it's about setting my expectation. Okay, I'm going into this three weeks and I'm going to get direction for this area of my life, for this area. It doesn't mean that I have, I just know that I don't, like Mary said, there is no wine. They have no wine. I just know that I don't have an answer for this situation and I leave it open for God. I don't even tell him, God, I can do A or B. Which is it? Because sometimes the answer or the direction that he has for you is C. And we think, well, God, I only have A, B. I'm between a rock and a hard place. I can't do anything. But when we start looking for God, we start listening and expecting to hear from God, he makes a way where there is no way. But God always meets you at your level of expectancy. God will always, he's not going to meet you. If your expectancy is, well, I really don't think God can talk to me. That's right where he'll meet you. He's got to get you to start listening before he can speak to you. There might be two people in the same service and God speaking during, during the middle of this message. By the end of this message, there's two different people will walk away with two completely different perspectives. Like, wow, God gave me a great word for it. I wrote down things in the, in, the, in the margin of my notes. And while someone else is just thinking... Oh, well, I guess that was another great message. Okay, good, good. That was good. Next. (laughs) You might be sitting in the middle of this message thinking, yeah, I have an expectation for lunch. While someone else is thinking, God, I have an expectation to change my life. Where is your expectation? Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. And so watch this. Even when you can't hear his voice, I read his voice. 
You might not hear his voice speaking to you audibly, but if you start praying and listening and reading the word, something comes alive. The Bible is alive. It's not just a book. Something will, most of it will look just like you're reading, you're listening, you're expecting, you're putting your faith while you're reading, and then boom, one of those verses just smacks you in the face, grabs a hold of your heart. So I challenge everybody, start a reading plan. The YouVersion Bible app is so easy. If you haven't downloaded it, download it. So number one, do what, if we're going to do whatever God says, we have to get close to God. We have to expect to hear direction. And finally, you have to complete your part. That means if you look at the servants, they could have just started filling the bucket. They could have just, and think about it this way too, to go get the water. They didn't just have, well, we'll just pour all the pots. There were their pots. They had to go to the well and refill them. Here he comes. That's good right there. Boom. Thank you. Thank you. They had to go to the well, pull up water from the well, and then take the, how long would it take me to fill this with this? <laughs> a long time. A very, very, very long time. With, they didn't just turn on the spigot, wa- turn on the water hose. <laughs> they had to start going and filling. I can imagine as they're going, why is he having us do this? What is this? This is crazy. This is just silly. We got a wedding and there's people all around having a good time partying saying, hey, <laughs> we're trying to party here. They don't understand what you're doing. What? Why would you be getting water right now? We don't want water. We want wine. What are you thinking? And yet often when God tells us to do something, we have a direction, we have a feeling, we have a thought that God planted in us that I, I think I, I need to start, I think I need to start reading my Bible. And so this doesn't really feel like it solves the other things that I need in my life, but I'm just going to do it. And then I'm going to keep doing it. Or maybe I'm going to start growth track. Here's growth track one. I started it, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do growth track two also because you got to complete the work. You have to continue to do it. It says they filled the pots to the brim. They went all the way. So they kept filling. I'd have to fill the, I'd have to fill this 50 times back and forth from the well just to fill one barrel. It says that this is a third of what they did or so. There's some things in your life that you just have to start filling the barrel. You've got to start filling the pots. And you've been looking at empty pots. You've been looking at empty, no wine, no resources, nothing. And if I could just have full pots, then maybe God could do something. And you're praying for full pots. And he already said, hey, just start filling the pot. Maybe it's time to start leading a small group. Okay. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. I'm not sure how that's going to help me, but... I can't tell you what the thing is that God, maybe you're, you're supposed to stop, break a habit. Maybe there's an addiction. You know, there's nothing, almost nothing that will help you break an addiction better than prayer and fasting. 
We talked a lot about it last week. Go back and listen to last week's message. If you're struggling and start planning and setting your expectation, I'm not going to carry this addiction or this habit with me through 21 days of prayer. I'm going to break it through the power of Jesus, through the power of his blood. I'm going to break this this thing in my life. Maybe it's that you need to start counseling with with your marriage, marriage counseling, family counseling. Maybe... Maybe it's that you need to just do 21 days of prayer. It doesn't seem like that long. You don't know how that's related to the, the, the needs that you have in your life. But if you listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying, the Holy Spirit's saying, you need to start this. You need to do this. If you'll listen right now, the Holy Spirit will just drop it in your heart. Okay? And then you can start filling. And if I do my part, guess what? If I can get this to the brim, if I just keep following through and keep the routine, the, the over and over and over and over and over 50 times or however many times to fill this up, it says when it got full to the brim, what happened? Jesus took, he said, take it to the master of the feast. And it, it was the best wine. It was the best solution, the best possible solution in just this seemingly simple miracle. I I doubt there was a a flat, Jesus didn't stand over it and say, magic words, (laughs) ta-da. He said, no, take take it to them. (laughs) Somewhere in the middle of there, just like with feeding the 5,000, the 4,000. I don't think Jesus stood over and said, all right, everybody, are you watching? Boom. I don't think it was that. That's what we want. We want that moment where God steps in and just everything's better. But what actually happens, just like with the feeding the 5,000, Jesus broke the bread, said, now start passing it out. Uh, Hold on, Jesus, there's not enough here. But when they started, it was in the process of doing the work that it said there were 12 baskets left over. In the process of filling the barrels, filling the pots, in the process of just doing the thing. James 1.22, and I'll close with this, says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. What does that mean? Deceive yourselves. That's when we start going to church are we, it's like going to church on a Sunday morning and not really engaging, not taking notes, not really expecting something to change in my life. I'm just coming to check a box, go to church, sing the songs, listen to the pastor, then go to lunch, and then I do this thing. And like we're just rolling through the routine of life. Break the routine and start to engage your faith in the process and start to make a decision that will change your life. It's not just another service that you go to. I don't want to just preach you a message that makes you feel better because, oh, I feel better. Now I can do, now I can go get my week done at work because I've gotten picked up and perked up. It's not about, I hope you feel perked up. I hope your faith feels lifted. I hope that you take a hold of the word that that I bring every week. But more importantly than that, I hope you're making decisions that will impact where we go as a church and where you go as an individual and how your faith is growing with God. I was blown away uh, last year when one of the 
one of the families in the church, one of the guys called me. He said, hey, pastor, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just feel like God wants me to drive here. And so I've, I went to the grocery store and loaded up the back of my car and I'm driving to the border six hours away. I said, where are you going? He said, I don't know, but I think God's going to show me when I get there. That's awesome. And the story that he came back with, you'll never believe this, Pastor. I went up to a building and there were no cars and there was no, I couldn't see anybody, but I felt like I was just supposed to knock on the door. She, he said, a nun answered the door and there were kids and they didn't have any food. It, God doesn't just want to speak to me. God wants to speak to you. I love talking to people who are going through growth track. Not too long ago, I talked to uh, one couple and it was their very first Sunday about three months ago and they were going through growth track. Very first Sunday, they decided to go to growth track and I said, man, I'm so, so happy to meet you. They said, Pastor, we don't know why, but we just feel like God wants us to be here. Like that is incredible to me. Not that you're a certain kind of person or not that you're in church but listen if you're listening to God and you're doing something that you think he wants you to do not because I tell you to do it if you're going where God wants you to be that lets me know we're making progress because sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we don't get it exactly right. But I promise you, it's a lot easier to correct course than to start moving from zero. If you're just sitting on the couch, so hard to get up and go. But if you're going, it's easy to just say, oh, I'm going to go a little bit more left. We'll go a little bit more right. Make a little correction. A family... In the church was actually it's more than one family now over the last few years coming and pastor we just we've been praying for a baby we felt like we came together in prayer and and believed god for a baby and more than one time god has shown up and families that have been told that they're incapable of having children god opened the womb like, we think God can't do it because it doesn't make sense or because it's not practical or it's not... Like, we think in a straight line, like, God, you'd have to do this, this, and this. God says, I don't have to do any of that. <laughs> I, got, I, I know how to do things different than you know how to do things. The miracle that you're looking for is on the other side of your move. You have, to, you have to move. You have to start filling the pots. You have to do something. We want God to do all of the work. And he said, you're not doing anything. Stop. Just <laughs> do what I told you to do. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to boss you around right now, but I'm trying to just wake you up and say, hey, if you'll listen, he'll tell you what to do. And if you'll do it, your life will change. And I hope that you'll leave this room today with the decision, just a firm direction, a decision in your heart. I'm going to do whatever Jesus says in my life, in this area, in this area, with my family, with my kids, with my education, with my job, with my finances, with my house. I'm going to do whatever God says. 
There's a revival uh, evangelist preacher that his name was uh, Smith Wigglesworth. And the story that I heard goes like this, that he was on his way to a revival, um, a revival. So that's like every night. And he was on his way and just walking. And God told him as he was passing a hotel, go into that hotel. And I want you to uh, go to the fifth floor. And I want you to go to room 573. And then I want you to go to the keyhole and I want you to lean down and I just want you to say John 3.16 into the keyhole. And he thought, no way am I doing that. But he did. Fifth floor, room 573. He just leaned down and shouted into the keyhole for God so loved the world. And he just shouted in the keyhole and then he said, he said I left as quick as I could so no one would talk to me. <laughs> he went on to his service and the next night, same thing, he, uh, the next evening he came to the service where they were having the revival and he showed up and they start the service with testimonies. Anybody have a testimony? And one guy stood up and said, yesterday I was in my hotel room standing on a chair with a noose around my neck. Someone yelled through the door. There are things that we don't know why we're doing them. We don't know why we're filling the pot. We don't understand the connection between what God's asked us to do and the needs that we need met. But I promise you this. God has made a way where there is no way. He's provided life for us. And there are plenty of excuses that will tell us why we shouldn't do a thing. But I challenge you today, make a decision that I'm going to do whatever Jesus says. Would you do that with me today? Let's pray. Father God, today we come to you at the end of this message and decide in our hearts that we will follow you. We will follow your direction. Whatever you ask us to do, wherever you lead us, God, give us the courage to follow you. Give us the courage to step one foot after another, to step out by faith and start new habits, start new programs, to start new relationships or to end them as well. We love you, God, and we, we are so thankful for what you're doing in our lives. We'll, at, we'll do whatever you ask in Jesus' name. And so before I re release you today, before we end the service, I'd like to invite you. Maybe you don't know what that next step is for you. Maybe you don't know how to get close to God. And maybe today is the day that you take the first step. And that, that looks the same for everybody. You have to make a decision to follow him. You don't have to clean yourself up or fix yourself up or wash yourself up so that you can get good enough to come to Jesus. All you have to do is take that first step. And that is a confession of your mouth when you believe in your heart that he is the Savior. So if you... If you'll say that prayer with me today, you can start a relationship with Jesus today. It's as easy as saying a prayer and a, with this confession of faith. So would you just bow your head right where you are? If you're watching online, would you bow your head and let's say this prayer together. Father, today I come to you and I give you my life. I'll follow you whatever you ask me to do. Forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit and make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together?
I'm proud of you for saying that prayer. If you're at home today or you, you may be with your friends or family or you might be all by yourself, but I would love to get to know you. Pastor Susan's going to come and help us close with worship with the band. God bless you. Love you guys. Wasn't that so good? The first message of the new year. Amen. Oh, let us not just hear the word, right? But be doers of the word. Take that step. Move forward. I'm inspired this morning. How about you? Woo, I'm excited. We're going to go into our time of giving. There are ways to give on the screen behind me. As always, we will have an usher right outside with the bucket for you. But again, you know what? We're going into action, right? 2022, we're going to take steps for new things in our life. And maybe tithing is one of them for you. Maybe you've never done it before. Take a step and see what God can do in your life and the ways that he can bless you through your giving. We're going to finish off with some worship. Stand in our Christmas New Year's coma and let's worship it. Let me pray over that offering. Lord God, we just give you this offering. We present it to you, Father, to bless it, to multiply it, Father. Use us, Lord God. Motivate us, Father, to move closer to you because we know that you will take leaps and bounds to us.